everyone. Welcome to our podcast, Pathways to Germany. My name is Brian Scheinemann. I am the director of the DAD Information Center here in uh, Malaysia. And with me, like always, my loyal and dear colleague, Idzide Idros, uh, who is a senior consultant at our information center here in Malaysia and also an alumnus from Germany. Uh, it's you studied at the University of Applied Sciences in Offenburg, where you did um, your bachelor in process and environmental engineering. And uh, you consider yourself as, as a third culture kid. Um, you've been um, in many countries so far. Uh, and uh, despite from studying in Germany, you also lived uh, as a child in Germany. And uh, I think that that was one of the reasons why you decided to, to later on go back to um, Germany. Is that correct? Yes, that's, that's very correct, Brian. Yes. Um, so uh, my family was uh, based in Germany for quite a bit. And then uh, we came back to Malaysia. And now I work with the DAAD promoting German education. Mm, okay. What, what, what's the DAD? I'm curious. Please enlighten me. <laughs> All right. So the DAAD is the Deutsche Akademische Austauschdienst. Uh, but in English, that's uh, very basically just the German Academic Exchange Service. Uh, so if you want to imagine it, we're a bit like the British Consul, but for Germany. So we provide free, unbiased uh, information about how to complete your higher education and also research in Germany. Mm. But we do not provide uh, German um, language courses. Um, this is something that we are going to look into today as well, because our main topic um, for today is going to be how to learn um, the German language. Uh, we will also discuss actually why it's necessary to do so if it's um, entirely necessary, if you want to study in um, Germany. So that will be our main topic. Um, so the concept of our um, podcast is um, to provide information for those um, who are interested um, or are considering to study um, or conducting their research in Germany. Um, but we think it's it's also um, um, interesting, actually, for um, anyone who uh, might think of um, Uh, pursuing a professional career in Germany because we um, tap a lot of topics, uh, what it's about to live in Germany, not only as a student, but um, in general, what the German culture is all about and uh, what the oddities of Germans and their culture <laughs> is like, as you experience firsthand, as I experienced growing up in Germany. Um, exactly. So this is what we're doing here. We have uh, two um, rubrics, uh, two um, segments in our podcast. Uh, the one is the the main topic. Uh, no, no, it's it's actually we've got three. We would it's like three. to start. Yeah, it's <laughs> absolutely right. We would like to start with uh, it's your personal experience. Then we move to the main topic um, today. As I mentioned, how to learn the German language, and then um, in the end, uh, we are going to challenge each other with our a weekly uh, segment fun facts about Germany um, where we try to uh, um, how do you say um, where to try Stump to stop each other exactly <laughs> exactly and uh, try to make as many points as possible and there are uh, three points in total to achieve so that's really something to to strive for okay so let's um, start uh, today with um, uh, personal experience um, you, it's as an alumnus who studied in Germany, um, have a vast uh, 
um, um, experience studying in Germany. So uh, we definitely want to benefit from uh, from your personal experiences, and uh, we'd like to um, look into um, the daily life in uh, in Germany. Um, we already discussed actually how how you get uh, your food um, as an Asian, um, and discovered that it's not a problem at all. And today um, we can maybe discuss a little bit of the Malaysian community in Germany. So are there many uh, Malaysians studying um, in Germany and um, how do you meet each other? Um, and I think that's, that's also very important um, to um, reduce a little bit the anxiety that is attached to going abroad on your own for the first time, maybe um, entirely. Uh, maybe flying also for the first time. So uh, I know from from my personal experiences, um, um, preparing Malaysian students that for some it really was the first time that they boarded a plane going to Germany. So that's quite a daunting task. And um, knowing that there's a Malaysian community waiting for you and helping you um, getting settled is something a little bit reassuring. So can you um, tell um, our listeners a little bit about the Malaysian community in Germany? Uh, well, the Malaysian community is uh, pretty much spread across uh, most of Germany. Uh, however, you can actually find the majority of Malaysians in the south and also in the west of Germany. Uh, so in the historically speaking, it's because Mara students, they used to send their students off to uh, the state of Bayern. So that's on the southeast of sorry, yes, on the southeast of Germany. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the JPA students, they used to send their students to Baden-Württemberg. Uh, however, nowadays they send their students to Nordrhein-Westfalen, which is on the west side of Germany. Mm. Do, do you um, happen to know why yeah. why uh, um, JPA is not sending students to um, Baden-Württemberg anymore? It's oh yes, I do actually. <laughs> it has to do with the uh, tuition fees for international students. Mm. Um, so uh, since I think when was it about 2016 2000 yes 2015 uh, or something 2017 2017 yes uh, so since uh, 2017 uh, the only state in Germany which does uh, charge tuition fees for international students mm-hmm. is the state of Baden-Württemberg mm-hmm. and they charge uh, 1,500 euros per semester or uh, about 3,000 euros per year mm. oh, okay. So um, this is the reason why JPA decided uh, to send the students um, anywhere else uh, but Baden-Württemberg. While they have been um, sending students in the previous years only to Baden-Württemberg or predominantly to Baden-Württemberg and and Bavaria, as you yes. already mentioned uh, before, you uh, you have been studying in uh, Baden-Württemberg yourself, correct? Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was uh, well, that was in two thousand and six until two thousand and ten. Mm-hmm. So I was at the Hochschule Offenburg. Um, and uh, this was before they instituted the whole uh, tuition fees for international students. Mm, okay. Any Malaysian students in Offenburg? I mean, we need to <laughs> we need to get a get a good picture of it. We have uh, more than four hundred universities in in Germany in total, um, scattered all over the country, and um, um, a total population of um, Malaysian students in Germany. Um, at the moment, it's um, roughly around 1,500, 1,600 students. So, uh, were there any Malaysian students in Offenburg while you were stu- um, studying there? Uh, back then, there were actually quite a few. Uh, so I think when I was studying there, we had something like eight Malaysian students in total, mm-hmm. including myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So it was a quite, it's considered to be quite a small community. I think uh, most Malaysians, they're probably used to sending their kids off to London or mm-hmm. to, to the UK or to Australia, where um, there's a joke that if you throw a stone, you'll probably hit a Malaysian if you're in London. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, whereas in Germany, it's uh, it's quite uncommon to find other Malaysians in your city or even in your region. Mm. But I think that's something which also made the Malaysian community in uh, Germany quite strong and also quite uh, uh, well knitted together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because of the scarcity and mm. finding another Malaysian in Germany that whenever you do see another Malaysian, you always invite them back to your home and you know you sit down and you talk about what's going on in your city and your life. And uh, it was just nice uh, meeting other Malaysians sometimes. Yeah. And uh, did you meet them only during your, your studies or did you already know them beforehand? For the ones in Offenburg, um, I knew two beforehand. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, yes, uh, one, I think uh, I did A-levels with both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we eventually went off to Offenburg together. Um, and for everyone else, uh, we had a few Mara students there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, quite a, a good mix of different Malaysian students there, I would say. Mm. And how did it make your life easier um, arriving in uh, Germany? I mean, for you, it was the second time, but uh, um, before that, uh, your parents took care of everything. So it was also very hassle-free uh, when you uh, when, uh, moved to Germany for the first time. Um, but how did the Malaysian community uh, uh, make your um, arrival in Germany easier? Uh, so one one of the really great things was that uh, my best friend, who also studied in the same city as I did, Offenburg, uh, he actually picked me up at the airport. Oh, okay. Um, so he, yeah. <laughs> so I met him at Frankfurt Airport, and then um, we he just told me which train to get on. So then we got onto the same train, and we headed back to the city together. Uh, so that's one of the fortunate things, and I think uh, many Malaysians also do the same thing. Uh, the moment you say uh, which city you're going off to. Um, Uh, some Malaysians will actually go off to the airport and help pick you up and oh, guide you along the way. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, yeah, that, that's that's really a beauty about uh, Malaysian culture. The uh, the kind of hospitality and and willingness to help each other is is really outstanding here. Um, something I also um, experienced firsthand when I came to Malaysia for the first time. And um, picking also up this this habit um, for any Germans coming to to Malaysia, uh, I always uh, tr- um, try to make myself self available going to the airport and picking them up. Um, especially uh, for those who come to Malaysia for the first time. Mm, that's beautiful. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's a huge... Since the airport is so far away as well. Mm. <laughs> It's middle of nowhere here in Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> And um, um, any aspects, actually, how how um, uh, the community also helped you actually to get settled in, in Germany, in your, in your daily life, also in uh, your life as a student? Yeah, so once uh, I actually met up with my best friend, he did take me around the city a little bit and he showed me around Offenburg. He also showed, he also took me to the university. And uh, then once we got to the university, uh, other Malaysians also showed up and they told me what to do, where to get things done, mm-hmm. how to get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also showed me, for example, where all of the halal butchers were, uh, where to find uh, Asian Uh, supermarkets and all of those things. So the Malaysian community in your city, even though it might be very small, they are very helpful um, because they they really do open um, welcome you with open arms mm. uh, the moment a new Malaysian comes into the town. Yeah, yeah. 
But I reckon there's there's also a, a downside of having um, a Malaysian community on, on the other hand, <laughs> isn't there? And I always try to encourage uh, my students um, when I prepare them for studying in Germany um, to try to uh, not live in a shared flat with other Malaysians um, because it uh, might be or it for sure will be very detrimental for um, the integration process. What was your experience? Yes, that's very true. So I was actually quite fortunate um, that because my town only had about eight Malaysians living in there, uh, we and all of us were doing different courses. We didn't really have that much time to share with one another. I was also quite fortunate that uh, when I went to Germany, I was on my own. Um, mm -hmm. So when I stayed in my uh, shared flat, it was with people from different countries. Mm. So I stayed with a few Polish people. I also stayed with a Spanish person and also a German person. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> So uh, once you actually mix in well with other people, you know, you no longer have that safety net mm. uh, of the Malaysian community, which isn't a bad thing, mm. uh, of course, because it helps you grow outside of your comfort zone. Mm. Yeah, we already discussed a couple of times, actually, uh, the importance of um, being outside of your comfort zone. Um, which uh, in the beginning might be a little bit uh, a daunting task, but um, it's uh, basically the only way, in, in my opinion, to, to really grow and um, also um, to further expand your, your personality by exposing yourself to um, culturally challenging situations, uh, which you um, usually would rather avoid. And uh, by this, um, you, uh, you develop actually... Um, Stronger soft skills, I'd say, and also um, mm -hmm. very strong intercultural um, um, skills that are um, definitely, definitely going to shape you in, in a certain way, which uh, will allow you to, to really become a, a global citizen and adapt much faster in future scenarios like this. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, I think I've also seen from other Malaysian communities in Germany, for example, um, Mannheim and Karlsruhe, they both had a, a strong Malaysian community. Mm. Um, but the, the problem with that was, uh, you know, they would form their small little kampong. And once they have their kampong, then mm. they don't speak German anymore. Mm. And uh, I mean, they used to get excellent grades because, you know, if one person solved the exercise, they would teach everyone else. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes to actually, you know, making friends with Germans and going outside of your comfort zone, they... Uh, I think they lacked in that thing a little bit, which was uh, quite detrimental in the end, mm, um, mm. which is quite sad because a number of them have come back to Malaysia and uh, they can no longer speak a single word of German. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, th I think that that's uh, that's very sad, actually. If uh, um, if you couldn't utilize uh, your your study abroad, actually, to, to also fully immerse into the language um, and uh, uh, grab the opportunity that uh, it allows uh, you to, to really... Um, further develop actually the language to to a complete fluent level as you did. Um, it's this is also uh, one of uh, the reasons actually why I decided uh, to to hire you for the information center here in Malaysia. Uh, oh. because, <laughs> among other things, actually, um, but uh, of course, a good str strong command of the German language is absolutely necessary if you want to work for a German organization. And we have many German companies here in Malaysia, um, which are um, very appreciative of um, students. Uh, who have a good command of the German language because um, 
I think even with, um, let, let's say, let's talk about, uh, for instance, Mercedes-Benz um, as mm-hmm. one of the uh, manufacturing companies here in Malaysia. Um, of course, you you will survive with the English language and um, most likely um, during your daily life, English is is uh, the most spoken um, language. But if you speak the Germ- German language as well, um, then Mercedes-Benz, for instance, has got the opportunity to also send you to, um, to Germany um, and to uh, further your career within the organization. And uh, so with the language itself, um, I think it provides uh, many more opportunities if you, um, if you really grab this, this chance. Oh, definitely. Even uh, when I was working with Continental Tires mm. before uh, here in Malaysia, mm-hmm. um, my command of the German language was one of the points which they really were excited about. Uh, there was also a meeting where we had with uh, Volkswagen one time and uh, so the Volkswagen guy was this uh, German guy, uh, also from the state of Baden-Württemberg. And uh, the two other people were Malaysians in the room, but they didn't know that I could speak the German language. Uh, so when we had a business meeting with them and we were discussing the terms and agreements, uh, the Volkswagen German guy, he turned to his two Malaysian colleagues and started speaking to them in German. Mm-hmm. And uh, I replied to them in German as well. And the moment <laughs> they saw that I could speak the language, <laughs> you could imagine the look on his face. Uh-huh. And he just turned really bright red. <laughs> But he was not gossiping, right? He was just trying actually to uh, to turn the negotiations in their favor, uh, I, I assume. Or? Yes, okay. mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you should to get a cheaper price for the tires. Uh, okay, you shouldn't have given yourself away, actually. Uh, okay, fantastic. So you, you see, even if you negotiations, it uh, might become actually quite useful then uh, to, to speak the, uh, the German language as well. So uh, we already looked uh, quite strongly now into uh, the importance of the German language. Um, and this is also going to be our main topic for today, how to learn the German language. So um, let's say um, you're a student here in, in Malaysia and you're interested uh, to further your studies in um, in Germany. What are the options? What are uh, your, um, uh, your pathways actually that you can take in order to, um, to learn the German language? Well, there, we have a number of pathways here in German, in Malaysia, actually, where you can learn the German language. Uh, but the most popular one uh, would be via the Goethe Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Goethe Institute is located here in KL. They've been in Malaysia for, oh, how many years now? I think uh, definitely over 20 years they've been in Malaysia. I should be more than 20 um, years. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Our DAD information center is already here in uh, in Malaysia for 20 years. And uh, the Mm. Goethe Institute must be be longer here in Malaysia, for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yes, yes. Um, So there's a Goethe Institute in KL. They're located uh, quite uh, close to the U.S. Embassy. I think directly opposite Mm -hmm. or directly um, besides Mm -hmm. the U.S. Embassy. Mm -hmm. Yes, and they're also uh, across from the German Embassy. Uh, So it's a very ideal location, really. and uh, they they probably have the most recognized, uh, or they probably are the most recognized German institute uh, worldwide. Mm, yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's a very important um, organization, um, which is promoting um, uh, the German culture, and of course, the language itself is is the most um, important aspect of. Uh, the culture of a country. Uh, but despite from um, teaching the German language, uh, the Goethe Institute is also very active in terms of um, bringing um, German and uh, Malaysian artists uh, together, um, promoting um, German movies, for instance, here in, in Malaysia, doing um, a lot of, uh, with uh, about uh, literature, uh, translations. Um, the Goethe Institute has got a, a very um, huge library and um, 
yes, Goodreads definitely is, is an organization very important that you should check out um, and consider um, also um, as the organization where you can learn the German language actually on, on all levels and they also provide um, the um, um, uh, language um, examinations and provide the certificates that you need um, to then also uh, have them recognized in, in Germany. Correct, yes. Um, yeah, I think they also um, they, they allow you to sit for the test stuff examination as well. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the few uh, organizations here in Malaysia where you can actually sit for the test stuff examination, mm -hmm. which is the exam which the universities will be looking for when you apply to the university. Yes, exactly. Correct. Um, where else could you could you learn the German language here in Malaysia? Uh, besides the Goethe Institute, uh, I would say that the next one uh, on the list, or not really on the list, um, but uh, one of the more popular ones recently would be from uh, German Educare. Mm -hmm. uh, so, of course, German Educare, they do have their special German A-level program, which is running quite well. Um, and they're located in Brickfields in KL. Uh, so they not only have their German A-level program, but I believe they also help teach with the German language. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes, yes. So um, they, they are basically the language providers uh, for uh, the Methodist College in uh, in Brickfields, as you mentioned. And in addition to this, they, they also run their own German language courses and help um, the students also uh, with the entire process uh, for, for the placement, finding a university and... Uh, um, advising um, applicants in terms of their uh, visa process and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yes. And besides the uh, German educator, there's also Study Germany. Mm -hmm. uh, so Study Germany uh, provides something very similar to German Educare, mm -hmm. except uh, they do not have a German A-level program. Mm -hmm. uh, but they do also help you with your basic German levels. And then they will, uh, they're also linked with a German language school in Germany. Mm -hmm. And once you've completed your basic courses, uh, you can actually continue on with the German language course uh, in Germany mm. with uh, study Germany. Mm, exactly. They, they link to, to the Sprachenakademie in Aachen, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. correct. Yeah. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. yep. And then after uh, study Germany, uh, another one which is located uh, quite close to the Klang Valley, uh, we have two. We have the Makator Education. Mm -hmm. uh, so Makator Education, they are on the same campus as UKM. Uh, so it's further up south sorry further down south uh, yeah mm -hmm. towards uh, bangi and kajang mm -hmm. um and uh, they also provide uh, german language courses uh, in at their institute mm. and they also conduct um uh, the ex um, the assessment right uh, yes yep. yeah you can also sit for your test stuff test examination mm. at the uh, makator education office mm -hmm. in ukm bangi yeah yeah okay interesting yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think there, there are not that many institutions where you can sit for the test stuff, mm. but I know that in the Klang Valley, so we have the Goethe Institute and also Makator Education. Mm. Very nice, very nice. Um, okay, since we're already uh, down there in, in Bangi, uh, Kajang and Bangi, uh, there's another one, uh, which is uh, the Deutsch um, Academy. Um, we had them on our program and in our um, clubhouse uh, that we do every uh, um, two weeks. And uh, also mm -hmm. quite an interesting uh, provider for the German language. Uh, it's uh, what can you tell us about uh, Deutsch Academy? 
Okay, so Deutsch Academy, they're relatively new, uh, but so far what I've seen, they, they work in a very professional manner. And so what they do is after you've completed your diploma or even your A-levels, uh, they're actually linked with a German university. Mm -hmm. And because of this linkage with a German university, they are able to get you um, something called a student applicant visa. Mm -hmm. So this German university will actually issue you a, uh, a conditional offer letter. Mm -hmm. Uh, which you need in order to get the student applicant visa. And uh, once you do your basic levels of German here in Malaysia, you'll, they'll actually send you over to the uh, language school in Germany where you will complete your uh, German levels up to C1. Mm -hmm. And uh, once you complete C1, you, you're not bound to that uh, university which has given you the conditional offer letter. Mm -hmm. You can actually go and look around at different universities while you're in Germany as well. Mm, exactly. Yes. Um and uh, to maybe make the, um, our list complete, of course, that was not a hierarchy. Um, we, we just uh, mentioned them in, in random order, uh, but we uh, always start with the Goethe Institute because uh, they are very close uh, partners. <laughs> um, uh, also uh, a non-government uh, and non-profit organization. Um, and, uh, but to complete uh, the list that we just uh, mentioned, I think we should also um, at this moment mention the um, A-level programs uh, you can find here in Malaysia. It's you yourself um, have been uh, received your A-level. No, you worked hard. You didn't just receive it. You had to, had to go through uh, the whole education at Intech Education College, correct? Yes, that's correct. Mm. Uh, so Intech Education College, they're based in Sha'alam. Uh, they used to be under UITM mm. and now I think they're their own separate entity. Uh, so they do offer all of these international programs going off to Germany, Japan, the UK and so on and so forth. Mm. Uh, but for the German A-level program, uh, just like uh, Mercator, just like uh, German Educare and also uh, just like GMI, um, what you, while you do your A-levels, you also learn the German language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And... Another one um, here in um, Klang Valley um, is uh, Sunway College. Um, it has been uh, located previously in a different college, um, but moved uh, to Sunway, um, I think, two years ago now. And they are offering an OSMET German program, which is also um, uh, which is absolutely unique here in Malaysia. And in um, addition to, to this, it's uh, quite an interesting program because they have figured out a way actually uh, not to do the A-level, but the, the OSMET um, as um, entering uh, a qualification um, into the um, uh, university. So um, go to their website uh, um, and uh, you will find the the OSMET German program there um, quite easily. It's a fantastic opportunity like the A-level German program in Intech. Um, if you um, uh, will complete um, your SPM and now consider what to do afterwards uh, because uh, these uh, pathways allow you actually um, not to lose um, or not to spend additional time just for the language but you do uh, A-level respectively um, uh, the OSMET um, simultaneously while learning the German language. And another one we um, previously already mentioned is the, um, the Methodist uh, College in Brickfields um, working together with the German Educare, same concepts uh, like uh, Intech doing your A-levels and simultaneously learning the German language. But what happens yes. if you are located on Penang? It's what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, if you're located in Penang, just like many, many of these German companies based here in Malaysia, uh, you're actually quite fortunate. Uh, so what Penang has done was, uh, since there are so many of these German companies, they actually set up something called the Malaysian German Society of Penang. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how long they've been here in Malaysia, but I'm pretty sure for quite some time as well. And the fantastic thing about the Malaysian German Society is that not only do they form these uh, strong linkages between Malaysians and these uh, German companies, but you can also learn your German language there. Mm-hmm. And yes. they they also um, the host of uh, the most important uh, Oktoberfest every year. Um, and uh, so many of the German community uh, from the Klang Valley, they travel to Penang uh, to, to have... Uh, uh, the night of the year, actually, at uh, the MGS, <laughs> uh, beautiful house uh, located uh, near Georgetown. It's uh, it's it's a very beautiful uh, um, location and also a very fantastic organization. Oh, definitely, yes, mm-hmm. yes, very accommodating people and very friendly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are based in this very, as Brian just said, they're based in this very old uh, house, but it's a uh, very well maintained and just fantastic place to go mm-hmm. off to. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and um, if you're really interested the German language, there are two other um, opportunities. Um, of course, there are many opportunities here in Malaysia uh, which are linked to, to Germany. Um, but if you're really into the German language and uh, you uh, would like to consider um, learning um, the German language entirely, um, then you can also opt for um, the German bachelor programs. Uh, we have two in Malaysia. One is at uh, University Putra, Malaysia, and the other one is at University uh, Malaysia. And and um, yeah, both are bachelor programs where you entirely focus on languages and linguistics. Uh, you will th- uh, learn things about uh, European and German um, history, about um, writing skills, about speaking skills. Of course, after you complete all the um, uh, the foundation in the German language, uh, you will also learn um, things about uh, German um, literature, um, civilization. Um, I just go through my head actually what what I'm teaching uh, um, and uh, all the uh, various uh, academic courses about uh, linguistics and um, I experience actually uh, since I'm also taking uh, uh, taking care of our students going for the internship that uh, companies um, here in Malaysia are specifically looking for um, students uh, with a strong command in, in certain languages and the German language is definitely mm-hmm. uh, one part that is that is sought after. Um, and uh, what I experienced, uh, to my surprise, is actually that one company is giving um, um, a higher salary for those who speak um, uh, a foreign language on a um, on high um, proficiency level, a better um, entry salary than an engineering student. So in Germany, that's absolutely uh, the other way around. <laughs> uh, but that's uh, something I, I um, learned here. Uh, which is uh, quite uh, quite interesting. So there seems to be a surplus of engineers and a lack of those who are um, have a strong command of um, a foreign language. So yeah. Oh yes, very true. Go to the website of uh, UPM and UM and you will find uh, these uh, bachelor German bachelor courses for sure. Um, let's briefly talk about um, um, what the best uh, strategy and tactics are to learn the German language because we also get this asked quite often: Is it hard to learn the German language? Uh, it's what is your experience? Is it hard to learn the German language? Ah, uh, see that question is. Uh... <laughs> It's the same thing if you ask uh, if I ask my chemistry professor, you know, is, is the exam going to be difficult? Mm. And his answer would always be, "Well, if you don't study, it's going to be difficult." <laughs> so, 
It's uh, it's somewhere around the same thing where um, it's it's only difficult if you don't actually uh, put in the effort to do it. But uh, the great thing about the German language is that uh, just like English, I mean, English is a Germanic language. Mm. So a lot of these key words which you find in English uh, actually came from uh, a German background. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. For example, so, house is house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, without learning, uh, without knowing any German, uh, you already know a lot of uh, German uh, words. Uh, for instance, nose, nase, um, eyebrow, augenbraue, um, elbow, ellbogen, mm-hmm. uh, finger, finger. You Knee. see, it's it's all yeah. it's all <laughs> the same, and that shows uh, the, the strong uh, link um, uh, between these two languages. Uh, but um, we need to admit that in terms of grammar, um, Germany, uh, sorry, the German language is is um, much more difficult than the English language, correct? Yes, very true. Yes, uh, I think there's. Uh, I still struggle quite a bit with uh, the articles in the German language. Is it der, die, or das? Uh. And uh, yes, whereas in English it's just the, and I'm very happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's it doesn't stop there. The, the crazy rule of having uh, three genders: uh, uh, masculine, feminine, and and uh, neutral. Uh, you also have uh, when it comes to um, adjectives. You also need to um, uh, then uh, declinate adjectives, and this is where it becomes really tricky in the German language, doesn't it? Yes, and also if it's a preposition, then mm. then the uh, <clears throat> article changes once again and how you also uh, form the adjectives that those also change again mm-hmm. and also the uh, I think there's one thing I remember though it's called tekamel mm-hmm. uh, so that's how you uh-huh. yes uh, so that's how you actually form, formulate the sentence in German that first is temporal so mm-hmm. uh, temporal and then like to, today uh-huh. modal yes. modal causal and local oh. exactly yeah yes so these are the elements so that uh, uh, come usually in this order. Um, but this already indicates um, that there are a lot of rules in, in the German language. Uh, but the good uh, news is that um, uh, you, once you understood the rules and apply them, uh, you will produce proper German language. You can really rely on these rules. This is also um, uh, typical actually for, for the German uh, language. As long as you follow the rules and, and understand the rules, <laughs> um, then you will have an easy life. Um while, um, so in, in my opinion, um, with my background actually in, in human arts and languages and linguistics, I don't think there is an easy or a difficult language. Um, um, it's just um, either the, the um, uh, proportion of, of grammar is quite high and then you have um, um, a smaller part which is idiomatic or um, um, you have more um, idioms in, in a language and a smaller portion. So for instance, Bahasa uh, Melayu is uh, has got a very, compared to the German language, um, a small amount of, of grammar rules, but it's highly idiomatic. And the thing is, actually, when you learn a language which is highly idiomatic, um, you've, um, you will master the grammar rules quite fast. But the rest you need to learn from experience. You can't learn it systematically. And uh, therefore, I think it's, it's a plus learning the German language, especially when you, uh, when you are strong in uh, natural sciences, in engineering, because it's, it's very logical. Um, it's like in mathematics, you just need to know actually how to apply the algorithm and then you get the proper result at the end. While um, it takes many, many, many years uh, to really uh, master, for instance, the German language uh, to the level of a native speaker. Yes, that's very true, Ryan. I agree with you 100%. Mm. Um, so um, what are usually the requirements for the German language when you want to study in Germany? 
Uh, so if you're going to go for a course which is being conducted in German, uh, you will need to reach a C1 level of German. Mm -hmm. And then you will need to sit either for the test stuff examination, mm -hmm. uh, which is the one which we stated before at the Goethe Institute and also at Mercator Education. Or you can sit for the DSH examination mm. or the DSH. Mm. Uh, but I think the DSH is only something that you can sit uh, when you're in Germany. Yes, there, there, are, um, there are a few exceptions. Um, Intec was, was one of the few colleges um, previously uh, where um, DSH was, um, was offered outside uh, of, of Germany um, and uh, other, um, here in Malaysia it, it doesn't exist anymore, it used to. Um, but in, in general, it's absolutely correct what you said. Uh, DSH is offered by the universities um, and you can only sit for the DSH in Germany. Um, but more and more are basically nowadays moving to um, test stuff because it's very standardized and uh, can also be conducted all over the world. Yes. So we, we already stressed actually the importance of the German language. Um, is it an absolute must if you want to study in Germany? Um, no, not, not anymore, actually. For quite some time, there have been a number of uh, bilingual courses being conducted and also courses which are being completely conducted in English now. Um, so mm. it's one of those things which uh, it's completely up to you uh, how you want to proceed. Of course, we at the DAD, we also recommend that you go for the German taught courses. Uh, it'll just mm. help you more in the long run, especially if you're going to a country where uh, the majority of the speakers are speaking German. Um, it helps you out uh, very much. Um, but if you want to go for a bilingual course, uh, normally, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the courses, they just require you to have a B1 level of German. Mm. And then uh, you'll start off the course uh, in the English language. And as it progresses and you also learn German at the same time, you actually build yourself up to reach that C1 level of German towards mm. the middle or towards the end of your studies. Mm, exactly. So we, we have by now um, more and more German universities also offering international courses um, entirely taught in, in the English language. Uh, then we have this uh, uh, two language uh, um, course concept that you just mentioned where you start in the English language and then um, um, uh, after a couple of semesters uh, switch to the German language. And um, But in general, um, it's it's uh, not a rule anymore that you definitely need to have the German language in order to, to study in Germany. Enough um, international courses are um, provided. But um, if you um, go through the process of learning the German language, if you um, take up the challenge, and it provides you much more opportunities, um, many more um, study courses to choose from, uh, from various universities. And um, you are not in the same competitive situation with other students uh, around the world who um, usually are opting for the international courses. Um, if you go for one of these uh, international courses, um, we would still uh, like to advise you to um, learn the German language at least to, to A2 level um, for your um, daily survival in uh, in Germany. Yes. And um, yeah, uh, do the Germans speak English on the streets? Uh, it's what is your experience? I think for that one, it really depends um, which city you go off to. If you go off to a major city that you have a lot more uh, chance that people will be speaking English as well or they're, they're going to be a lot more international. Mm. Um, I think that was something I noticed in Mannheim compared to Offenburg. So mm. Offenburg only had a population of about 60,000 people. Mm. Um, so not that many people on the streets uh, were speaking English. 
Mm-hmm. However, um, the tendency which I'm seeing right now is that a lot of the younger generation, so around uh, 15 up to about 30, um, I think they they learned English in school. Mm-hmm. And because the world has become so international now, um, they actually pick up the English language and you're more likely to find uh, younger people speaking English now or having mm-hmm. the ability to speak English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we see a um, strong... Um, trend towards the English language um, and uh, English American culture as well um, in in Germany as well. Uh, so um, in in um, urban areas, you won't have any difficulties finding finding someone speaking English uh, in rural areas. And I suppose it's the same also here in, in Malaysia. Uh, while yes. <laughs> in Klang Valley, everybody's speaking English. Um, if we go to uh, very rural areas, there might be a chance actually where. Uh, you uh, will be struggling a little bit actually uh, finding someone speaking uh, speaking the English language comfortably. I'd say. Yep, I agree. Good. Okay. Um, I think it's time for our last segment. Fun facts <laughs> about Germany. It's. Are you ready for our last segment? Yes, I am. Okay. You are. Um, would speaking you like to of start? German languages, mm-hmm. yes, I will, Brian. Okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of German languages, um, now during this coronavirus, uh, they've come up with a bunch of new lingo. Um, mm-hmm. So one of the keywords which came up uh, last year uh, at the beginning of the coronavirus was the word Hamstan. So it's like the word hamster in English, mm-hmm. uh, but they've turned it into a verb uh, to hamster or Hamstan. Uh-huh. Uh, have you heard of this one, Brian? Yes. I, I couldn't understand you first, uh, but then I realized actually <laughs> that you're speaking with your with your uh, southern accent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let so, me try that with Hochdeutsch. Sorry, Hochdeutsch. Hamstan. Uh, Hamstan, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that was beautiful. Um, I don't think the the, the word is is uh, very new because uh, Germany has gone through uh, many historical hardships. Um, and uh, I think it's in the in the nature of of the Germans whenever things become a little bit critical to run to the shops and uh, for some reason, but that seems to be a global phenomenon, buy as <laughs> much toilet paper as possible, right? Uh, no, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's it's a new word they came up with. It was it already existed beforehand. It did, yes. Uh, so the word Hamstan actually uh, it came up more prevalently after World War Two. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, there was uh, things in the supermarkets were quite scarce, and people mm-hmm. didn't know uh, what was going on. There was a lot of uncertainty. Uh, so the word hamstern or hamstun or to hamster, uh, it it pretty much uh, means to hoard things mm-hmm. and uh, to panic buy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, if you imagine a hamster stuffing their cheeks with nuts, mm-hmm. uh, that's what it kind of resembles. Exactly, exactly. And uh, my son uh, received a hamster for his birthday. He, he asked for, and <laughs> every evening when I when I feed him, I can I can uh, witness it firsthand what that means, and it's amazing <laughs> how much uh, this uh, um, this little hamster is a, a capable of uh, stuffing into his cheeks, and <laughs> so where his head becomes uh, twice the size. It's it's quite cute. Okay, good. Uh, my turn now. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Listen carefully. The largest German state is North Rhine-Westphalia. Is the this largest German state true is or false? The largest <laughs> German state is NRW. It's abbreviated mm-hmm. North Rhine-Westphalia. I would say false. Mm-hmm. I don't Why? believe it is. No. Um, 
because I think states like Bayern are just so much bigger. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> but I, I might could, be wrong. <laughs> I couldn't fool you. I just uh, hope that you, uh, that you um, in your mind, uh, would consider actually the, the population. You're absolutely correct. Bavaria is um, the biggest, uh, the largest um, state in, in um, Germany. Um, with uh, 70,000 uh, square kilometers, while um, North Westphalia um, has got an area of 24,000 uh, square kilometers. But um, NRW is um, the, the biggest state in Germany with uh, the biggest population, 17, almost 18 million, while Bavaria only has uh, 13 million. And uh, that means oh. uh, you also have um, a quite a different um, density of the population in Bavaria, um, uh, you have 186 uh, people living in one square kilometer, while in anonymous failure it's 530. And um, maybe also another statistic about these uh, two states, um, when it comes to the um, economy, uh, uh, it looks even better for Bavaria. Um, they have a GRP of uh, 633 billion euros uh, per year which means 48,000 euros per capita, uh, while um, NRV has got uh, 711 billion euros, uh, which then translates to 40,000 uh, euro per capita. So mm. quite interesting states in, in Germany. Is, yes, mm -hmm. very big difference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, okay, uh, so now, now it's summertime in Germany or coming towards the end of summer in Germany. Um, so we actually have uh, a lot of Germans, they own all of these uh, small little gardens um, uh, called uh, Schreibergärten or uh, they Schreber, also have a Schrebergärten. Schreber, sorry, uh -huh. yes, uh, Schrebergärten. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, so uh, according to the Schrebergärten, uh, there's also something called, the, you know, Germany and their laws, uh, there's something called the Bundeskleingartengesetz. So for the Bundeskleingartengesetz, what is uh, the main rule? You asking me um, now? This is an open question. Oh yes. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, what, what do you think the Bundeskleingesetz uh, says? Um, I th I think I know. Let let me see whether I know it or not. Um, the the first rule is that you cannot um, sleep um, in your shed uh, in the Schrebergarten. You cannot. You can reside there. You can only visit it during the daytime, but. Um, <clears throat> of course, you can also party there um, until uh, late in the evening, uh, as long as you don't disturb anyone. But you're not allowed uh, to sleep there. Uh, that's true. Yep. That's uh, one of the things which are true. Uh -huh. um, and the second thing which is also true is that at least a third of the garden needs to be used for fruits and vegetables. Oh, yes. Ah, yes, yes, yes. That's absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, Do, can you elaborate the, the background why this is? Uh, so the the history of the Schrebergarten uh, was that uh, I think uh, some in 1864, Dr. Schreber mm -hmm. uh, actually said that it was very uh, healthy for people to have some movement, to get some fresh air, to go mm -hmm. out and do these things. Um, so it was a few years later, which uh, it became a rule that uh, everybody should have a small plot of land or if possible to have a small plot of land. Mm -hmm. And... Um, this land especially became very helpful after World War II or even during World War II mm. where uh, fresh uh, fruits and vegetables became very scarce. Mm. Uh, so they needed people to actually go off to these small little gardens and mm. it was very heavily promoted for the health benefits mm -hmm. and uh, to get outside in nature and actually do something. 
Mm, exactly, and and to promote uh, people to be um, to be um, self um, reliant, um, self sufficient, um, harvesting actually their own food, um, even during um, uh, war times. Uh, that was uh, then one of the reasons why it was uh, strongly promoted uh, by even by the by the Nazi uh, regime and. Oh, yes. um, uh, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. You will find these uh, Schreber uh, uh, um, areas in uh, basically everywhere in Germany. And yeah. um, um, maybe when you go to Germany, uh, you're lucky to, to get invited by a German uh, to, to spend uh, uh, on the weekend, maybe a day there during the summertime. Have you been to, to one of the <laughs> Schrebergasts? Have you been invited? Uh, yes, I have actually. So mm -hmm. uh, my my ex wife's family they actually mm -hmm. own quite a quite a big one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it was on top of a hill uh, towards the vineyards in the southwest of Germany. Yeah. Um, so it was beautiful up there. You could see the whole sunset. It oh, really okay. sunk down into the valley. Mm. Uh, it's a wonderful place, and I love the the idea of it. You know, just having a small plot of land where yeah. you can grow your own things. Yeah, yeah, and of course, it uh, eventually also leads to to um, um, a different relationship to nature and also the food that you eat. If you um, um, really consume only the products that you're growing yourself, um, then you have, um, of course, a different relationship to to, to also your diet, uh, and uh, you become more cautious about uh, processed food that you can uh, get in the shop where you really don't know actually what's what's exactly inside. While uh, when you grow your own um, vegetables and, and fruits, you know exactly where it's coming from, uh, whether you want to use pesticides or not, and um, how ecologically friendly you want to um, grow your own f food and then also share it with, uh, with your neighbors. And uh, yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting uh, concept <laughs> you can find in, in Germany. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Moving on, here is my statement, and uh, the answers uh, will be a little bit more, uh, a little bit longer. But but bear with me. It's interesting. Um, it's a question about the Black Forest. Why is it okay. called the Black Forest in Germany? And I give you now three statements. Uh, they're a little bit longer, but uh, um, uh, you can choose one. So here's statement number number one. During the peak of witch hunting in the second half of the 15th century, many witches were hiding from the Inquisition in small communities in the forest region and continued their alleged black magic, which was uh, rather a natura, uh, naturopathy for neighboring villages. And this is the reason why it's called black uh, forests. So that's uh, the first option you have. Second one. The name Black Forest was coined by Julius Caesar in his book Bello Gallico when he mentioned the charcoal burners of this region as Populus Nigra de Silva. So the black mm. people uh, of, uh, of uh, the forest, which could be actually in going in, in both directions. Either it's the black people because they're burning coals and getting, getting very, mm -hmm. uh, very uh, black, or it's the people of uh, this, this black forest which has been... Uh, um, stained by by all this charcoal burning. So that's the second statement. Third option is the name um, the Black Forest comes from the general dark color of the numerous pine trees dominating the wooded mountain range. Okay, this is a tough one because all three sound plausible. That um, was my intention. I <laughs> uh, I've always believed it was option C, so the final option. Um, but now the second one also seems quite plausible. 
but I'm going to stick with uh, with my guts and go with uh, option C, the oh. fi- last option. Fantastic. That's absolutely correct. Um, <laughs> the first two statements were entirely made up by myself and uh, <laughs> I did a little bit of research to elaborate them as much as possible to... Uh, so, of course, we had the witch hunting in the 15th century and also Julius Caesar. Uh, um, uh, he wrote his book, uh, Bello Gallico, but uh, uh, I don't think he really mentioned the, the, <laughs> the Black Forest in his in his book. Okay, fantastic. Yes. Oh, I think we, we have Brian. <laughs> square, square results so far, huh? So far, yeah. Uh, yeah it's 2-2. Two, two. Okay. Uh, or or nil nil. Um, now we're going to go off since it's still summer in Germany. Uh, there's something which um, German culture promotes quite quite a lot. It's called the FKK Kultur mm-hmm. or the Freie Körperkultur, Kultur, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically this uh, nudist um, ideology um, or nudist belief. And uh, it's basically just a bunch of people who enjoy being natural outside in nature and everything. Um, so when did the first beach... Uh, when did the first nude beach actually um, come about in Germany? Was it uh, in 1901? Was it in the 19? Was it on? Uh, sorry, was it in 1950? Or was it in 1920? Mm. Oh, that's a good. That's a good one. Uh, that's a very good one. Uh, could you let me know which beach it was? In is uh, it uh, the Baltic Sea or uh, is it the Northern Sea? Uh, the beach, I can tell you, it's a uh, Zylt. A oh, Zylt. It was on Zylt. Mm-hmm. So that's the uh, Northern Sea. Um, oh, that's that's a good one. That's a very good one. Uh, what was 1920? Was one of the options? It was, uh, yep, 1920 was one of the options. I'm going with so the 1920s because we um, uh, we all have the pictures uh, of uh, the ni- roaring 1920s and it was a huge liberation and I suppose it also affected uh, Germany and a lot of things were possible in the 1920s. That's correct. Yes, it was the 1920s. Uh, so it was quite interesting. It started off in Zülz and uh, how it happened was uh, by 1932, um, the... Uh, what's it called? The Freikörper Körperkultur actually took mm-hmm. off, and they had about seventy thousand members. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, when the Nazis came around, um, they they put a stop to that because uh, uh, in nineteen thirty three, uh, Hermann Göring um, also stated that it was immoral and it uh, diminished the stature of women and all of those things. Um, but what was also interesting was even in the Nazi Party itself, there were a number of. Uh, uh, FKK uh, people and they enjoyed uh-huh. it so they actually brought it back and it became part of the part of German culture <laughs> fantastic yes <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not surprised that the fat Nazi Hermann Göring was, was against it because uh, he would have made an uh, another fool out of himself if, if he definitely on, on the nude beach absolutely uh, but it's quite interesting actually that, uh, that the Nazi regime uh, despite von Hermann Göring didn't, didn't pick it up entirely because they also had a very strong um, culture about the, the, the body and uh, follow the, the aesthetics, aesthetics of, and, yes. of uh, Roman and um, uh, Greek um, sculptures and took this as the ideal, right? Yeah. Okay. Very Maybe true. they wanted to, especially, to 
to form the people rather than to allow them to be as, as free as, as they want to be. That might be it. And uh, so this is something, if you're a Malaysian and you actually go off uh, a number of these uh, thermal baths as well, also mm. FKK. Mm-hmm. So that means uh, you're expected not to wear any of your trousers or oh, uh, yes. bathing yes. suits when you go there. Yes. So be prepared for that, even be if you go off that. to the... Uh, Yes. <laughs> and it's mixed. It's it's not separated by genders. It's uh, mixed mm-hmm. and uh, very liberating. Give it a try. Give it a very. try. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Oh, I can't help it now. I've got the picture of a naked Hermann Göring in my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole point of today, right? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay, let's move on to the next one and let's see whether I can okay. get rid of this, this uh, uh, cinema in my head at the moment. Okay. What? percentage of Germany's forests? Is it um, 11%, 22% or 33%? Ooh, what percentage of Germany's forest? I know that Germans love their ecosystem. I know that they love nature. I am going to go, but how much do they love nature? Um, I'm actually going to go with 33%. Oh, fantastic. You are absolutely correct. Absolutely fantastic. Yes, uh, as you mentioned, uh, we Germans, we have a very strong relationship um, with uh, the forest. And uh, we have also a couple of laws, actually. Um, of course, um, we don't have primary forests anymore. The last uh, primary forest you can find in Europe is in, in Poland, uh, the Mazurs, it's called. Um, we don't have this one, so um, uh, it's all a cultured, um, cultivated uh, forest, and it's, it's regularly harvested in parts, but it always needs to be um, reforested. And um, uh, even to the extent... Um, then it, in cities, whenever you want to cut down a tree, um, then it needs to be uh, another tree needs to be planted somewhere else actually to make sure um, that um, the entire uh, forest uh, sum, uh, so to say, um, remains the same. And um, even on your own property, you cannot just chop down trees as uh, you like. You first need to go to the um, city council and ask for permission to do so. And they will check whether it's necessary or not. And um, you need to give good reasons why you want to um, chop down uh, um, trees, uh, even on your own property. So as as you mentioned, it's, uh, it's absolutely true. We have a very strong relationship uh, ship a very strong love affair with our forests and um, I heard the statement of an anthropologist uh, and historian who said um, for the German tribes the forest always meant protection in the history so if there was a raid by um, other tribes or by by the uh, Roman troops uh, mm. who continuously tried to to um, uh, um, to challenge the German tribes, they always retreated back into the forest and then attacked uh, uh, the uh, attackers uh, from from the back on from the sides uh, outside the forest. So, oh yes, yes, mm-hmm. there was even that last uh, Roman legion, I think, in the Battle of Tutterburg Forest or something. Yes, absolutely, uh, mm-hmm. they were led by the I think it was a general that was actually from the, one of the Germanic tribes, but was raised uh, as a Roman. Mm-hmm. And eventually uh, led uh, the whole legion into the forest, and they got slaughtered. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, by bits, actually, uh, starting from the back, not confronting them actually in the front, but uh, a bit by bit, actually biting yeah. off um, segments of uh, of the Roman uh, uh, army. 
trying to invade uh, the German territory. Yes, uh-huh. the Hermannsdenkmal, it's uh, actually called. Uh, Hermann mm. the Etrusca, you're referring to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm probably, yes, I can't remember his name, but yes. <laughs> yes, Hermann the, the Etrusca, yes, absolutely. Wow, we have um, a square result. This is, this is we have a draw. That's absolutely beautiful. This is how it's supposed to be. Uh, I think we learned once again a lot today. Uh, once again, yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, and uh, thank oh, yes. you also for the, your challenging statements. Um, so we need to get better in our games, actually, to none of us uh, <laughs> it sounds like it, one yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So uh, with this, yeah, we, we would like to thank you very much for, for listening. And uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, this um, session today. And um, if you'd like to know more about uh, study and research in Germany, come to our website, uh, visit our website, dad-malaysia.org. Um, and there you will find all the information that we also talked um, about here in uh, this podcast or the previous episodes. And if you would like to get in touch with us, uh, feel free to book a consultation session uh, with us um, or to uh, book um, any of our info sessions that we conduct regularly throughout um, each month. And we have also um, various events continuously going on. Um, in addition to this, we also have regular Clubhouse sessions. Um, we recently started also with uh, Insta Live, uh, where we address all your questions, uh, which has been perceived quite well. And um, we look into further uh, channels to communicate with you. Uh, trying to promote study and research uh, and make it interesting and attractive uh, for you. Yes, very true, Brian. Yep. Ah, yes, that was a fun day. <laughs> it was. Okay. And with this, thank you very much. Yep. All the best. Yes. Thank you very much. Take care.